Hey, 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 happy Thursday, Met fans. Hope you're all staying cool. It's a scorcher out there. And there's no way you should be wearing black on a day like today because black holds the heat. But guess what? The Mets have decided they will be back in black. Yes, indeed. That announcement you've been waiting for, or maybe not waiting for, because it's a very divisive topic, the black jerseys. Well, it's probably a win-win for both sides. The black jerseys are coming back, but only for four games this year. So you black jersey lovers, your Mike Piazza 2000 Met lovers, you're in luck. Mets going to be wearing four games this year. For those of you who aren't fans of the black jersey, well, you got some good news. You only have to see it four times during the year. Yes, the team announced Thursday morning it will bring back their black jersey starting July 30th when they face off against the Reds. They'll wear the jerseys during every Friday night home game for the rest of the season. Now, the Mets shared a video on their Twitter and Instagram accounts featuring close-up of the throwback uniforms, which featured blue names and numbers along with white and orange outlining to music similar to Marvel movie soundtracks. It's back again as we rep our pastime. A voice can be heard narrating the 45-second clip. Yeah, you heard it right. It's black again for a brand new time. Now, Pete Alonzo, the reigning two-time home run derby champion winner, shared a photo that featured him repping a black Mets uniform with the caption, Back in black, 7-30-21. Mets owner Steve Cohen revealed in March that the franchise would be bringing back the black jerseys, which they have not used since 2014. To celebrate the back to black, the Mets will give away 12,000 Francisco Lindor black t-shirts to fans at City Field on July 30th. Mets will sport the throwback tops on August 13th against the Dodgers, August 27th against the Nationals, September 10th against the Yankees, and September 17th against the Phillies. So I stand corrected. That's five times they'll be wearing. So whether or not you like them or not, they're back. Yes, the Met black jerseys are back. Now, like I said, that's good news or bad news about the black jerseys. I'm not sure how you hear it. But some sad news is Howard Johnson. It's going through some rough times. His grandson had a bizarre lawnmower accident, and this is something you just don't want to hear. Uh, Howard, a fan favorite, 86 Met, uh, doesn't watch his Met games like he used to. He even said so, but he makes a, stay, a point of staying in the loop. Keeps an eye on them, checks the scores every night. I know where they are standings-wise. I know who's hurt, who's not. And he knows how much the Met rabid fan base hungers for another parade. An appetite he supports, even if another title would make his club a less exclusive one. If they win championships, he said, it's all good. I have no issue with them, said of these 2021 Mets. I think that when you look at our team, the 86 team, the 69 team, is still just as popular, if not more, than they were before the 86 Mets won it all. That's all good for Mets baseball. The fans love it when there's a team that's successful and playing well. Yes, Hojo supports the Mets family, and now the Mets family needs to support the Johnsons because they could really use the support. Tanner Johnson, Howard's two-year-old grandson, is currently enduring 
quite an ordeal after his father and Howard's son, Glenn Johnson, accidentally ran over his left foot with a lawnmower at their Franklin, Tennessee home. Tanner Johnson lost all five toes and already has undergone multiple surgeries, while more coming. It's a struggle, Howard Johnson said. Nobody wants to see any kid hurt. It was a complete accident. It's nobody's fault. It's just a bizarre set of circumstances. The injury was so severe that, as Hojo put it, they can't reconstruct the foot in one go-round. They have to do it in sections. Clean it, close it, and then at that point, they can start reconstruction. To manage costs of what will be a lengthy process, the Johnson family has launched a GoFundMe page, which has already raised over 100000 a heartwarming development. Hojo was a Med player from 1985 through 1993 and made a 1997 comeback attempt that ended in spring training. He also served as team's hitting coach from the middle of the 2000 season through 2010. Johnson last coached an affiliated ball in 2019, leading the hitters for the Rangers AAA affiliate in Nashville. He's now focused full-time on running the Showtime Sports Academy with Glenn, and that in turn has allowed him to be with his family during this trying time. Now Tanner Johnson, his grandfather, said loves baseball. He's still going to be a player. Can't give up on that. What a great day it will be to see Tanner on a field. Johnson will get through these challenging days with help of family and friends. And uh, that's tough to see. That's tough to see. Uh, but we'll, back to more positive things. How about Pete Alonso? Is he going to break through? He was breaking through before the All-Star break. And uh, maybe the All-Star game was something he really, really needed. Now, in 2019, he put together a record-breaking season in which he set the major league mark for most home runs by a first-year player. The dreaded sophomore drinks did strike him last year, and Alonzo failed to hit his weight for the underachieving Mets. Now this year, the campaign has been somewhere in the middle. Not like his rookie year, but certainly not the disappointment he had last summer uh, during the COVID-shortened season. Now, coming off another home run derby title, the Mets hoping can steer a little closer to the former rather than the latter. Over the final 75 games, it could be the key to the bottom of the league offense finding its footing. Now granted, Alonzo has been streaky and always has been. He had terrific numbers in April and June, mediocre ones in May and so far in July. He has been two different players and so far in July. And uh, it's, he's been two different players. An all-star on the road with a 922 OPS. Underwhelming former home with a slash line of 218, 321, 336, and a 658 OPS. And of his 17 homers, this is really hard to believe. Only three have come at City Field. And uh, that is strange, and you know that's just the law of averages. That's going to come around and definitely change, I think. It has to, doesn't it? Uh, he's been the most consistent performers of the regulars who have avoided significant injuries. He leads the team at home runs, 17, RBIs, 49, and slugging percentage, 478, and extra base hits, 28. He has picked it up in the power department a lot of late with four homers and 11 games in July to go along with nine RBIs. He won a derby on Monday, becoming just the fourth player to win the hitting competition more than once, joining Prince Fielder, Joanna Cespedes, and Ken Griffey Jr., Despite the overall underperformance of an offense that's averaging just 3.76 runs per game, the Mets have sat in first place since May 8th. 
That's mostly a nod to a pitching staff with an ERA 3.43, which is the fourth lowest in baseball. And believe me, unexpected contributions from fantastic. The bench has been amazing, haven't they? Contributions from Villar, Pilar, and Peraza have really, really helped out. But when the Mets do begin the play after the break, good news is they'll have their full complement of position players. And J.D. Davis is finally set to return after being out since May 1st with a sprained left hand. So maybe the worm has turned. And we did what we had to do to survive the tough months where the offense was struggling. And now we got all these guys back. And who would have thought the Mets would be at in first place with all this going on. It's going to be so nice to have everybody healthy in the second half. So it looks like we'll have all the everyday regular player pieces back in place. And to be honest, it's just time for everyone to be healthy, recover, and lock it in. I think it's going to be a fun time. And I'm really, really looking forward to the second half. Now, what do the Mets do when the July 30th trade line, trade deadline comes? Who knows? Uh, we just have to leave it in the good hands of Met management. Like I said, the one thing I don't want to see happen is mortgaging the future. And uh, hasn't the future looked a little bit brighter with Ty Orr? And I'll say that again, Ty Orr, not Ty Orr, Ty Orr McGill. Uh, pitching the way he has, he's come up through the ranks very, very fast. It was not planned this way, but he's been a big surprise in the first half of the season. I like him. This kid's got stuff. His control struggles a little bit. Sometimes he depends on his changeup a little bit too much. But he has been a key, key cog in the last few weeks with his pitching in the rotation. Uh, and I know the Mets didn't expect him to be part of the team this year. Uh, probably expect him to be in double-A or triple-A. But you got to be impressed with his poise. And he has the stuff and the maturity and the composure to stick. He just has to get the job done. He threw two innings during spring training for the Mets. That's just it. And he is 25 years old. He started the season in double-A Binghamton. A September call-up would have been the most optimistic expectation. But after a series of injuries that destroyed the team's starting pitching depth, McGill was given a shot, and he has run with the opportunity. Now, McGill was an eighth-round pick in the 2018 draft out of Arizona. McGill has pitched to a 3.50 ERA while striking out 26 batters in 18 innings, tied for the most any Met pitcher has fanned in his first four starts. He is yet to pitch deep into a game. The furthest McGill has lasted is five innings, twice. But he has kept the Mets in games, and they have won each time he has started. For now, McGill seems to have a spot in the rotation until at least the July 30th trade deadline. And Carlos Carrasco, was a torn hamstring, still seems to be a few weeks away from making his long-awaited Mets debut. He's set to begin a rehabilitation assignment Thursday for single-A Brooklyn. David Peterson has just begun lightly throwing, and Noah Syndergaard won't return until September. Even if the Mets trade for a starting pitcher and Carrasco returns, at worst, McGill could move into the bullpen as a long reliever. Uh, so I think he's here to stay. Uh, I like his stuff, but if he has to go to a bullpen, we got a guy ready to come in if he does. Once Peterson comes back, send the guard. You know, who knows what's going to happen. Baseball is all so unpredictable. I'm looking for Carrasco to come back at the end of the month. Uh, and hopefully McGill has the composure and makeup to pitch anywhere that they need him. 
Now, the Mets aren't planning to start the second half of the season Friday with Marcus Stroman on the mound. Walker could follow Stroman on Saturday after pitching an inning in Tuesday's All-Star game with DeGrom going on Sunday. The Mets want to see how DeGrom feels when it reconvenes for a light workout on Thursday at City Field for the Mets fly to Pittsburgh take on the Pirates. That would give DeGrom 10 full days of rest since his last start. I'm so glad to hear that. Rest always heals. So hopefully DeGrom is feeling a lot better by the time he takes the mound Sunday, if that's indeed when he goes and pitches. Now the Mets are planning on activating J.D. Davis on Friday. He's been out since May 1st, like I said, and uh, it'll be just so great to have him back. Now we come back, we're going to do our usual fun stuff. We're going to do our Met trivia in Jeopardy. Uh, birthdays, transactions, this date in Met history, and what's going on in the group. So catch you on the flip side. Okay, we're back. Who's ready for some trivia? Today's trivia question is, where did Mike Piazza play college baseball? Once again, today's trivia question is, where did Mike Piazza play college baseball? Think about that one. Lock in your answer. And we're going to go to today's Jeopardy. Who is ready for some Jeopardy today? I know I am. Here is today's final match Jeopardy. Two clues. Traded in 1996 to New York Mets with whom he made his Major League debut on May 8, 1997. In 2007, was posthumously inducted into the Binghamton Baseball Shrine since he played for the AA Binghamton Mets. Once again, the two clues are traded in 1996 to New York Mets with whom he made his Major League debut on May 8, 1997. 2007, he was posthumously inducted into the Binghamton Baseball Shrine since he had played for the AA Binghamton Mets. Lock in your answers, and we'll be back at the end of the podcast to see how you did. Now it's time to celebrate some Met birthdays. So put on your party hat and let's celebrate some Met birthdays. If you like celebrating birthdays, it's your lucky day. There's six of them today. First one is Don Clendenning, Clink, as a lot of you like to call him. Number 22, World Series Hero, World Series Hero of 1969. Many credit the trade for Don Clendenning as to being the moving force behind the Mets winning the pennant. Now, he was traded by the Mets, the Expos to the Mets, in exchange for Kevin Collins, Steve Renko, Dave Carden, and Dave Cologne on May, June 15, 1969. In 69, he was the man. Uh, altogether, he played three years with the Mets, had 45 homers, 171 RBIs. His great year when he played a full season with the Mets was 1970. Batted 288 with 22 homers and 97 ribbies. He was the man, Don Clinton. Had a 515 slugging percentage and a 348 on base percentage. Quite a year for the Mets. At that time, he established the Mets' RBI record with 97, which was later broken by Rusty Staub in 75. Big part in head net history, Don Clendenning, born this date in 1935. Don since left us, and he died in September of 2005. But happy birthday, Don Clendenning. Happy birthday to Bob Miller, an original Met. Pitched 17 games for us in 62. Had the RA 7.08. Uh, he was traded with Cliff Cook by the Reds to the Mets in exchange for Don Zimmer. What a baseball figure Don Zimmer is. 
Wore number 23 and number 36. Happy birthday, Bob Miller. And Bob is 86. God bless him. Happy, happy birthday to Don Bosch. Number 17. Who remembers Don? He was an outfielder for us in 67 and 68. Played 94 games total both years. Wore number 17. He was traded with Don Cardwell by the Pirates and the Mets to change for Dennis Reba and Gary Cole. That was a big trade for the Mets at the time, getting Don Cardwell. Integral parts of 69 season. Uh, unfortunately, Don didn't make it to 69. He was sold by the Mets to the Expos in the offseason of 68, right before the Expos began their expansion year. Who else is having a birthday today? James Baldwin, number 38 in your roster. He pitched for us in 2004. Only pitched two games. Uh, was 0-2 in both of them. Started both games and got roughed up. 15.00 ERA. War number 38. Happy birthday to James Baldwin. Turning 50 today. Who's out uh, celebrating his birthday today? Wilson Delgado. He played for us in 2004. Uh, we got Wilson along with Chris Wedger. In 2004, right before the season started, in exchange for Roger Sedania. Who remembers Roger? Uh, he was a shortstop with us, played 42 games, batted 292. And Wilson turns 49 today. How about a happy birthday wish to Fernando Nieve? 2009-2010, he played total combined games of 48. He was a pitcher. Started eight games for us. All told, he pitched 48 games, and he was 5-7 with a 4.58 ERA for the Mets. And that's going to wrap up our birthday today. So happy birthday to those lucky six. Now let's go to some Mets transactions for this date. On this date in 1991, the Mets traded Ron Darling and Mike Thomas to the Montreal Expos for Tim Burke. Tim Burke wasn't the pitcher we thought he would be, and I guess the Mets had a part ways with Ron Darling at the time. That was a controversial trade at the time, seeing Ronnie go. And uh, the Mets signed free agent Vic Darrensborg on this date in 2004. Now let's put on our caps and go up into the time machine to 1994. Remember when the Mets had Brett Saberhagen? On the second game of a doubleheader against the San Diego Padres, the New York Mets' Brett Saberhagen went 10 innings, striking out 11, giving up 5 hits, and allowing no runs. And just and his, his control that season was impeccable. And in those 10 innings, he did not walk anybody. But guess what? This has always been a Mets tradition. It was tough to get run support, and he did not figure in the decision. The game actually went... 14 innings. I mean, Sabre Hagen was cruising. For the first four innings, he was pitching perfect ball, 12 up, 12 down. Then he gave up two hits in the uh, fifth inning, two leadoff hits, but managed to escape with a fly out to center and two strikeouts. The Mets weren't really faring any better, though. They only had two hits through five innings. One of them a single by uh, Kelly Stinnett. Remember Kelly, the old pitcher, leading off the third inning? Uh, he went as far as third base, but they couldn't bring him in. And then Rico Bronier got a one-out walk in the fourth, but he couldn't advance any further. So this was still a pitcher's duel, without a doubt. And Saberhagen, after he gave up those two singles, guess what? He retired 12 more men in a row and struck out six in the process. 
all six batters striking out. So now we're headed to the bottom of the eighth inning. Still scoreless. Now you're saying, well, who's pitching for the Padres? Uh, the uh, Padres. It was Andy Benes, and we know how good he could be. And he was having a game. He was having a game, and through eight innings, he held us scoreless. Now guess what? Through eight innings, Benes had only given up two hits, one walk, and struck out 14 batters. So this was an old-fashioned drag-em-out pitching duel. Again, when he came out, uh, Trevor Hoffman came in. And maybe, just maybe, the Mets could get something to go. And Jose Visciano thought so. He went off with a double. Kelly Sniff flied out to the uh, catcher. And then Joe Bobby Bonilla was intentionally walked to pitch to Joe Orsolak, who flied out to left. And then David Segui into a force out. So that's it. Nine innings. We're scoreless at this point. And this game was going on and on and on. And Saberhagen even made it out for the 10th inning. And uh, all he did was give up a single in the 10th. But he had to come out after 10. And Saberhagen at this point pitched 10 innings, 5 hits, no walks, and 11 strikeouts. So a tip of the cap to Andy Bennis and Brett Saberhagen for pitching one hell of a game. Now the Mets were going back and forth without scoring. Uh, unfortunately for the Mets, they could have broke it into the game open in the 13th inning. Bronia let off with a single. Uh, Lindemann for the Mets was intentionally walked. So this put up a fielder's choice when Saberhagen went to bunt. And uh, they threw Bronia out at third base on a bunt attempt. So it was still first and second, but the Mets couldn't do anything. Visciano flied out to right, and then Kelly Stinnett struck out. When the 14th inning... Things didn't work out. Mike Maddox, who didn't really pitch like his brother Greg here, uh, got the first batter out, uh, ground out first the, the pitcher covering, but then Tony Gwynn and Phil Plantier hit home runs, and it made it 2-0 San Diego. Now, the Mets finally broke through in the uh, ninth inning. Joe Orsolak got a one-out single, and then David Segui smacked the double, scoring Orsolak. So now Segui was at second base, and the Mets were only down a run. And then the Padres came in and brought in Manzer to pitch, and he got the save as he retired. Jeff Kent on a fly to right, Enrico Bronia, 6-3. So it was a tough one to lose for the Mets, but well, all-time classing pitch-up for the Mets. Fortunately for the Mets, they came into that game uh, 12 games out, and now we're 48-48 after the loss, 13 games out. Padres weren't f feeling any better about themselves. Uh, they didn't gain any ground. We're still 11 and a half games out after the game at, and at the record of 36 and 55. Now, what else is going on in Met history on this day? I'll tell you. On this date in 1978, Pete Rose collected his, a hit in his 28th straight game, setting a Reds club record post-1900 as the Reds beat the Mets 7-5. His hit comes off of Craig Swan. On the 18th, he'll hit in his 13th straight game to top the all-time record set by Elmer Smith in 1898. And, uh, like I mentioned, the Ron Darling trade happened on this date. But in 2011, Mike Piazza had three hits and three RBIs in the Mets 5-2 win over Toronto. As both teams celebrated Negro, Negro Week Tribute Day by wearing old Negro League uniforms, the Mets wear that of the New York Cubans. The 1947 National League, Negro National League champs, while the Blue Jays are in the uniforms of the Chatham All-Stars. 
In Pittsburgh, the Pirates wear the Homestead Grays treads and the Royals wear the Monarch uniforms. Nice, nice tribute to the Negro Leagues there by the Mets and those other teams. Good to see. Uh, what else is going on? That's about it as far as like this date in Met history. Now it's time to talk about what's going on in the best mixed baseball group on Facebook, New York Mets Baseball Life. If you're not a member of the group, please join on Facebook, New York Mets Baseball Way of Life. And if you're not a subscriber to this podcast, what are you waiting for? You'll be updated every day when one is loaded. Can't ask for anything more than that, so please subscribe. And if you want to drop me a line, I'm at philstan41 at gmail.com. Would love to hear from you. Really would love to hear from you. You guys make this group so great, and I can't thank you enough. Now, what's going on in the group? That's what you guys are here for, right? To find out what's going on. Well, yes, I asked, when I say Robin Ventura, what pops into your head? Well, we got some good answers. Jerry Punk at Flat Out says, Nolan Ryan. Harvey Porter says, Grand Slam single. Ezreal Rosales says, Nolan Ryan kicking his ass on the pitcher mound. Dave Dickey says, Todd Pratt picking him up after he rounded first in the rain. We mentioned that Patrick Nzika, fan favorite, in 18 games for AAA Syracuse so far. He's batting 319, 351 on base percentage, and 500 slugging percentage, with four doubles, three homers, and 12 RBIs. He's not doing too bad. We also mentioned that J.D. Davis hit his fourth home run of his rehab assignment last night in Syracuse. Now, since restarting his rehab stint on July 1st, Davis has gone 10 for 27, 370 average, with three homers, four doubles, and six RBIs in 10 games. He's also drawn eight walks and put up a 1.380 OPS. Yeah, that is something. Be nice having him back, won't it? We can't get him back soon enough. He was such he was one of the two guys hit in the beginning of the year, if you remember. It was him and Brandon Nemo, and everybody else basically took a vacation. But it'll be good having him back. And those are the some of the fun things we've been talking about in the group. Uh, so if you're not a member, please join. And uh, feel free to participate if you are. We'd love to hear more of your participating. We've got a great following. I can see the group participation. A lot of people are checking in. But everybody, everybody is welcome to participate. Now we're going to go back and talk about the Met Jeopardy and trivia answers for you. Who got them right? What were the questions again? So let's rock and roll. Let's do that. Here we go. Here is the first question, the trivia question. The trivia question was, where did Mike Piazza play college baseball? The correct answer is Miami-Dade College. Congrats to our resident whiz, Jason Lynch, on being the first to submit the correct response. Our Jeopardy clues were, traded in 1996 to New York Mets, with whom he made his Major League debut on May 8, 1997. In 2007... He was posthumously inducted into the Binghamton Baseball Shrine since he had played for the AA Binghamton Mets. And the correct response is, who is Corey Waddell? And again, guess who got it? Yes, our resident Jeopardy whiz, Jason Lynch. Good job, Jason, on both the trivia and the Jeopardy. Okay, that's going to wrap it up for today. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Another day off. Rest, relax. Watch some classic Mets on TV. 
Do what you need to do, but be ready for the big Pittsburgh series. We're going to Pittsburgh next weekend. This weekend, I should say. And we should take advantage of Pittsburgh on this weekend and next weekend. So let's do this, Mets. Anyway, we'll be back to prepare you for the weekend series tomorrow. Talk more Met good stuff. Do all the fun stuff we always do. And again, thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us. And what do we all have in common? We got our Metsies in common. So enjoy the day and let's go Mets.